Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And it's time to shoot the flames August style. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what's been going on with you since uh, our last shooting the flames episode? I have been vacationing. Lucky bitch. Yeah. So I decided to just drive around a little bit. I was like, what's in a a nice like two to three hour radius around Boston? So I went up to Salem, went over to Provincetown and the Capes, and then I went up to uh, Mount Washington. That was awesome. So I, I, uh, my boyfriend, Matt, actually got a hotel there at Mount Washington called the Mount Washington Hotel. What an original name. Yeah. And so uh, it turns out it's like one of the most haunted places in New England, theoretically. And I uh, watched the, like, the Ghost Hunters episode and listened to like a lore podcast episode about the history of like the haunting of, you know, Mount Washington Hotel as well as Mount Washington itself. And uh, took a lot of creepy pictures. And uh, that was fun. I think you're going to actually I think we're going to share some of those on Instagram. That's right. So listeners look uh, to our Instagram feed this week after the release of Shooting Flames. And you can check out some of the creepy pictures that Chris took from his New England travels. It was quite a pleasant surprise because I didn't expect to have a haunted vacation, but that's what ended up happening. I mean, when uh, you were sending me the pictures, I was super jealous. I was just like, you know what? I'm ready to leave. I was like, this place is really creepy. Let's go to the top of the mountain, see how beautiful vistas we can see. But of course, it's covered in clouds, you know, six out of seven days a week all year. And uh, and it was, you know, there's like cairns all over the place for hikers that look like little graves and... It was like super foggy and windy and insane. And the pictures look incredibly creepy and uh, I love them. So we're going to share those with you. They were neat. I just thought you said Karen's. And I was so I had there a were picture, there too, and they were I had a, like a mental image of all these women on top of a mountain, like asking to speak to the manager. Right? <laughs> you know, like, that is scary. Oh my God. Yeah, there were a few of those. And how are the gays in Provincetown? Are they doing well? Yes, they are. They're doing quite well. Good. She said my love. Just a dead. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, I'm super looking forward to coming to see you up there because I really want to go to Provincetown. I need to make that pilgrimage. Yes, I think you'll enjoy. But um, I kind of don't want to do that until after there's like no fucking COVID, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, good luck with that. I, well, I'm for real. I can't imagine my first time in P-Town being like this teetotaling trip where I can't go have a drink in a bar and see a drag queen. I refuse. Refuse to let that be my first time in P-Town. <laughs> well, unless this country wakes up and sees the liberal light instead of the neoliberal light, <laughs> we're fucked. Because this country is quickly approaching, or if maybe we already were, becoming a death cult. Oh, yeah. I think let's we're start, Let's there. see how many bodies we can throw at the economy, you know, instead of actually, you know, taking care of the virus like we should. You know, now it's, uh, you know, children. And already months ago, we had politicians on TV saying, uh, you know... The seniors will die for the economy. Oh, <laughs> not, not just politicians. It's our lieutenant governor here in Texas. So I'm especially proud of that comment. Yeah. God. So it's, it's just insane. And, you know, of course, up here, you know, we're all doing much better, you know, in the Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine kind of area because we're all much more like a European style shut down with phases and things like that. Much more careful and we don't have as many like anti-mask wearing Karens, you know, <sighs> stuff like that up here. 
uh, we've got our problems. I mean, it was like 90 degrees the other day and everyone was at the beach. Apparently all the kids went down there and like no one was wearing masks and stuff like that. Maybe in a week we'll see a huge, you know, increase, but we've gone much, much further down. But the fact that like, what, it was like Indiana has like, I don't know, 8 million people or something in the entire state. And it had more death rate than Germany, who has 80 million people. <sighs> Not even rate, but actual deaths. It's just stupid. It's embarrassing. And we need to get serious because if we don't start you know, adopting some of these quote unquote liberal policies about paying people not to work, you know, making sure people have actual health care, all mm-hmm. of these other things, uh, you know, stopping evictions and putting maybe a moratorium on, on certain states of like rent and mortgage and things like that, then our economy is going to blow up no matter how many bodies we throw at it, if not worse. So I think it's safe to say that we're going to experience some sort of like economic trouble from this, no matter what happens moving forward. I think that like the, the groundwork has already been done for that, you know, and like I... <laughs> I don't know. I just I keep thinking about and talking about to people that if it's this bad in the summertime, you know, just wait until the fucking winter. It's going to be worse. And like, I don't know, like my state especially blew up over the last month. And, you know, we were one of the first to reopen and um, we were supposed to do things in phases. And then we had to go back and we shut down bars. I'm just flabbergasted sometimes at the people around me. And I've heard like people make errant comments, like strangers, obviously, if I'm at the grocery store or something and just bitching about wearing a mask. I'm like, that's really not even that mm. bad. Like, I mean, like, it's not like you're out in the sun. You're inside an air-conditioned grocery store. Like, shut the fuck up. There's always people like that. I mean, I was just looking at, what, like from 1918, the Spanish flu or whatever, and people were advertising no-mask meetings, things like that. And, of course, they all get the Spanish flu and die. Yeah, like, wasn't that, like, <laughs> awful? I mean, come on. It's not even learned anything. I mean, there's just as many stupid people today as there were then, you know? Yeah. And it's just that we have elevated those voices because it's a form of entertainment, you know, as much as we hate it. You know, it's it's part of the outrage engine of media right now of showing us all the Karens that don't want to wear masks and all the assholes that are pulling out guns <laughs> to people for not wanting to wear a mask. Those I people know. were always here. They always will be. You know, it's it's our government that needs to get their shit together, grow the fuck up and start treating this seriously like a pandemic. And if I hear <laughs> let's not get let science in the way one more fucking time. I swear <laughs> <Yeah>. God. <laughs> Oh, science has an answer for everything. And I'm like, well, eventually, yes. <laughs> God. Also, nobody likes wearing a mask. I mean, like, it's not comfortable for anybody, but you just do it. I mean, like, <sighs> hell, good thing you didn't become a fucking doctor or something. Jesus. Canada's online immigration form is just a couple of clicks away. I swear to God. Don't you tempt me. <laughs> Our friendly neighbors to the north, Lord. Yeah, and I did see something. It was just like, you know, there, sh- there should be only like 1% of children deaths when schools open. And I'm like, the 1% is way too much. <laughs> See, yeah, it's like what? Yeah, the fact that in our economy and our government, <laughs> in our country, we have to ask, you know, what's an acceptable number for kids to die? And we've already wrestled with that with, the, you know, in school shootings and, and the fact yeah. that they don't want to do anything about that. Oh, it's just so frustrating to be in this country right now. It has been really for some time, but if they don't get their shit together, the whole thing's going to just fucking collapse. Take heart knowing that you've been wearing a mask and doing things appropriately, so you'll be there for the collapse. (laughs) Here, here. Yay. (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Well, I'm ready for a vacation. I'm glad you got to take one, and I, I know that you guys were super safe doing it, so... Yeah. 
We were hand washing and sanitizing and wearing masks wherever we could. And we're, of course, whenever we were asked to, and, you know, I didn't witness anyone bitching about it, um, you know, to anyone else, wherever I was, you know, um, some people, you know, took their masks off when they were more than 10 feet away in certain areas, like the hotel, you know, things like that. That's fine. You know, and, and of course, at any restaurant here, as soon as you're seated, you can take off your mask. I did see a one star review at the at the friendly toast that gave it a one star because they had to put on a mask whenever they went to the bathroom from the table or entering from outside and going to their table. They, and they thought it was stupid that they had to wear a mask walking, you know, amongst other people, you know, to get to their table. But you can take it off once you sit down. I'm sure it's that restaurant's fault. So go ahead and give them that one star review. I'm just like, no, it's like you're you're literally like breathing over people's food as, <laughs> as you pass their tables. Like it makes kind of sense, you know. Well, I mean, like I was in a restaurant with my mom recently and um because we had stopped to pick up something and we were just gonna sit there and eat and like i got up to use the bathroom and i put my mask on but there were three other guys in that bathroom who did not have a mask on <laughs> so i'm just like eh. i just want to grab okay. these people by the shoulders and just like hey look at this graph of okay. like all the other western countries and industrialized countries like getting this handled and america being like a mile above them as far as like increase in covid cases be embarrassed be ashamed and get your fucking act together and go the fuck up Put your goddamn mask on. Oh, Chris, they don't understand graphs. <laughs> they can't read. That would just be pointless. <laughs> Maybe this is the elitism they always complain about. <laughs> oh, damn it. Oh, my God. I just. I can live with that. I mean, okay, I can live with that. It's fine. Can't help it if I'm elite. <laughs> that's okay I, I was born this way <laughs> just the way that god made me it's just the way that science, that science made me i'm elitism oh okay well why don't we um move on to something a little bit happier than covid19 and let's talk about uh some reviews that we got because yeah you know we've had kind of a dearth right maybe like one or two and now we've got like three this month so yeah it's good crazy yeah this this Mm -hmm. last little while has been very awesome for us because especially with this this review is just amazing it's probably the best review uh or at least the most detailed I would say (laughs) that we've ever gotten. This is from the land of enchantment Lobo from iTunes. They give us a five star and said, we are a national treasure in film review. Fast, smart, witty, informative, never boring and far and away better than any peer podcast. Truly professional and palpable on air host chemistry. The perfect just juxtaposition between Chris's film Savoir Fair and Robert's horror fan cred. Never limited or confined by its horror genre faithfulness, but always informed by it. Who knew the horror genre was this important to film? I guess the film flamers did. I feel like you guys are five minutes from stardom. We'll always be able to say, we remember you when. As there are no small parts, there are no small podcasts. You're already stars to your fans. A Nightmare in Elm Street, 80s nostalgia galore and abounding in Freddy folklore. Who would win? Freddy or Jason, etc. Robert, deny us your expertise no longer. Jurassic Park, PG-13 horror at its finest, and a horror score for the ages, Chris. Forever incomplete until the film flamers give us their deep dive, which apparently will happen this August. So, wow. Yeah. (laughs) 
I think we both read this and like single tears. Oh, like, yeah. really done our cheese. <clears throat> I definitely teared up, you know, <laughs> I was just like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> it was so detailed. And like, hopefully that's what I want people to like think about when they listen to us. You know what I mean? So it was very um, affirming, you know, and yeah. it makes us happy. It gives us, uh, you know, to remember why we do a podcast in the first place. So, I mean, like, yeah, it was a really, really good review. And I'm assuming that these um, movie titles that he or she put in there um, are like <clears throat> requests for deep dive episodes, right? And I'm yeah. right on Street in Jurassic Park. Right? Yeah. And so, yes, you are correct. Land of Enchantment Lobo. We are doing Jurassic Park this August. So, yeah, this month. And A Nightmare on Elm Street was definitely something that we want to cover, but for whatever reason, we haven't put on the docket quite yet. Cause I kind of feel like if we start down that road of doing a nightmare on Elm street, I'm going to want to do them in like some sort of rapid succession. Right. I can't just talk about a nightmare on Elm street. I have to talk about a lot of them. Well, you know, like we're doing, you know, different things a year apart. So like, mm-hmm. I think uh, next year we might be doing alien resurrection and alien three, you know, as well as some others. So I think that, uh, you know, doing a, a yearly nightmare on Elm street or, you know, the first two, one year and the next two, the next year would be fine. I mean, it would definitely keep us in business for many years to come. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, and we haven't even started doing the Halloween genre or genre, uh, the Halloween franchise or, you know, hell, um, or the hell Hellraiser franchise. Yeah. There's lots of franchises we could get into, but thank you so much for that review. Like we really, really enjoyed it and it really meant a lot to us. Uh, we also got a review, a couple reviews from Facebook. Uh, Laura on there said, I don't watch a lot of horror movies, mostly thriller and horror adjacent, but I love this podcast. So funny and entertaining. So thank you so much, Laura. Yes. And Dallas from Facebook said, efficient, funny, smart, and unpretentious. I found my horror podcast. I really enjoy it when someone calls us efficient. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wouldn't expect like, that, but it just makes me go, huh. I mean, when, the fir- when I first read that, I was like, that is a compliment if yes. I've ever received one. <laughs> efficient? Yes. <laughs> As long as it's efficient and not sufficient, you know what I mean? I don't know, looking so. at efficient and unpretentious and like the first 25 minutes of our podcast episode this time is, <laughs> we're not getting to the point and we're not very, I don't know, we're elitists. We're elitists. Okay, so, so maybe um, just a smattering of pretentious. Yeah, it's okay. and we're sometimes efficient. <laughs> More often than not. But thank but you. But funny and smart, always. And thank you, City of Dallas, for calling out our greatness. I do love that name. If you live in Dallas, I swear to God, that'd be like the best thing ever. So we got a lot of comments uh, from our episodes over the last month or so. And uh, the first set of them is going to come from our Hot Takes episode in July. At RL Terry one says, oh my God, I love the new intro. Sunset Boulevard is my second favorite film of all time. And the one I argue is the greatest film of all time. So thank you. As usual, Mr. R.L. Terry at Itzabario said, I love the new hot takes format. I've heard about the vast of night once before, but Robert's recommendation clinched it for me and I decided to watch it tonight. Wow. I really, really enjoyed it. So compelling in every way. I'm a little angry about that comment. <laughs> to be fair, Chris <laughs> recommended it to me. <laughs> and then I just hijacked it and did most of the fucking talking on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but hey, I'll take that. We're so glad you love that movie because we both enjoyed it very, very much. And um, I think this is something that we've both 
been suggesting to people to watch already since its release on Amazon. And so far, you're the only person who's come back and said anything, even like my friends. I'm like, oh, go watch this. And like, no one will say anything. So I told my sister to watch it and I told my parents to watch it. My parents were like, it was a little weird. Right. And then my sister watched it and she said she fucking loved it. So good. Thank you, Penelope. Yeah, she just told me in the last couple of days. So Nikki at Philly Engineered says, "Yes, Robert, you watched it. I know you. I knew you'd love it. Great episode, guys. Love the format. Lots of new movies for us to watch." And I believe so she's she is... talking about the Long Kiss Goodnight, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, because she sort of like called me out on Twitter after one random shooting the flames episode where I said I hadn't seen Long Kiss Goodnight, mm-hmm. or maybe we were talking about Lion in the the Lion in Winter, the Ghost in the Darkness. I, f- I forget <laughs> where we talked about the Long Kiss Goodnight, but. Yeah, I did love it. Loved it very, very much. It's going to be like on my Christmas movie watch list till the end of time now. Awesome. Excellent. At Cody Landman said, I really enjoyed what you did with this episode. Also, good on you guys for bringing more attention to Luce. I liked it too. So good. Uh, Such a good movie. It's just like cannot stop singing its praises so i think it's safe to say that people liked our new hot takes format yeah and right? so these those might not be a monthly thing we're kind of lumping in a bunch of watches all at once so they're going to be a little staggered throughout our uh, our schedules so just look out for those so uh the next set of comments come from our deep dive into alien and the first one comes from Nikki over on Patreon, and she says, Great episode. Never thought of the sexualization you mentioned. I remember showing this movie to my nieces, and they jumped out of their skin at the chest-bursting scene. True fear. And Sigourney fucking Weaver is a goddess. I'm watching the Dark Crystal series, and she's the narrator. I caught her voice immediately. I also just finished watching Pose and got another Madame Lapone sighting. Love an unexpected sighting of a fave. Yep. So I watched the first season of Pose and uh, Madame Lapone is not in that season. I really need to catch up, but it's a very good show. Okay. I had actually hadn't heard of it before. Um, but of course, I did notice Sigourney Weaver's voice in Dark Crystal, although I think she's just the beginning. Uh, I don't think that she's used any more than that. She might be at the end. I'm not sure. And then, of course, the as far as the sexualization of, you know, the creature and alien and then, you know, the creatures, I should say, and alien and everything else. Yeah, we, we definitely thought that was important to talk about because there's a huge uh, backstory to it as far as alien and the design of the movie is concerned. So Kimberly from Patreon said, I get the end where Ripley is in her underwear. They were trying to build vulnerability. And as everyone who has traveled does, comfort is important. That being said, no badass space trucker like Ellen Ripley would be wearing a bikini underwear. That part was blatantly (laughs) sexual. If I'm flying around the galaxy killing alien monsters, I'd at least want some granny panties. (laughs) I mean, for real, those would be comfy, right? Yeah. Yeah, there was some um, some back and forth on Twitter from this episode too. A couple of listeners were talking about, you know, um, the sexualization of her and her underwear, Pantygate, like we were talking about, mm-hmm. and they also were talking about what is the best Ridley Scott movie, Alien or Blade Runner. Like there was a lot of back and forth on Twitter for this one, so lots of comments that I couldn't include, but um, it was fun to watch. Easily, yeah. Alien. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Blade Runner has like six different cuts and it took a long, it took like at least like a decade or two before I uh, got a really awesome classic cut that is there now, the definitive version. 
versus Alien was pretty much perfect right out the gate. Agreed. So uh, from Shooting the Flames in July, we got a comment from Nikki on Patreon again. And she says, great episode. Clearly, I comment a bit too much. Oh, well, I still have stuff to say. BTW, the antebellum trailer terrified me in a very deep way. It reminds me of Kindred by Octavia Butler, my favorite author. Well, Nikki, as I responded to you on Patreon that, uh, you know, the more the merrier, the more comments, the better. And actually, we'll be seeing uh, a little bit more of Nikki uh, in the future because we are going to actually have an interview with her, either as a standalone episode or in the next Shooting the Flames, where we talk about race and film and how different races might watch a horror movie through different lenses that's right so it's all about like you know personal experience uh when watching horror movies so i'm super looking forward to talk to her about that from our deep dive into aliens nicole ann mcd from instagram said when i was pregnant with my oldest he would be super active at night and i'd watch the hands and feet stretch my skin so no big surprise that i had recurring nightmares of sigourney <laughs> fucking weaver's chestburster nightmare you're welcome for all those visuals <laughs> <laughs> I really love this comment. Like when I read it, I was laughing, you know, both for <laughs> enjoy those visuals. And because like every time now when someone talks about Sigourney Weaver on a comment to us, they call her Sigourney fucking Weaver. Yeah, now it's S- SFW. <laughs> I just hope that like one day it gets to her and she's not offended, but like pleasantly surprised. And that it's I tied mean. back to us somehow. Yeah, and then she's like, I have to find these flamers. Who are these flamers that call me Sigourney fucking Weaver? (laughs) And we're like, here. (laughs) At the Real GL, Hal Jordan seemed to really like our two-hour-plus episodes, and he commented on this one and said, so I'm curious, what are your criteria for picking a movie for a two-hour episode? Well, uh, we have to be in love and obsessed with the film, apparently. It was not planned at all to Mm -hmm. do extra long but we really wanted to do those justice and we know that as soon as we put something out there you know it's it's out there forever you know essentially and we just really wanted to get it right the first time without having to go back and edit or add to it or add addendum episodes or anything else so we wanted to create um you know something where you could actually go and listen to our episode of alien or aliens and not have to watch any like special features or not have to scour the internet for different things. Cause all of that is kind of combined into our episodes of all the background, all the, you know, the, the behind the scenes drama and just everything you could get from all these different sources in one place, uh, you know, as well as just the analyzation discussion uh, of the films themselves, including the psychology and everything else. So we just wanted to be really, really complete so yeah i mean so like i i responded to him on there and i said you know we really don't plan the length of any episode it sort of just like becomes the episode that it is right so we the way that we do this guys just in case y'all were curious is that we go throughout most of the year and we already have movies lined up i mean like we have movies lined up all the way into like may of 2021 at this point and um, we watch the movies close to the time of the podcast recording. Each of us makes some sort of individual notes. We have a document that has some history and stuff on it that we tell you guys before we get started. And then the rest of it is just sort of an organic conversation that Chris and I have. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, sometimes it could be two hours, three hours, 45 minutes. Yeah. Who knows? Sometimes you know, those notes can be on... three pages. Sometimes they can be 30 pages. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so it, it really just depends on the movie and how we viewed it at that particular time. And I think like Chris just said very well, 
just then that uh, we both like Alien and Aliens, if not you know the entire franchise, and we just had a lot to say about it. And there's going to be some movies coming up here pretty soon that I think will probably also cross that two-hour mark, you know? So yeah, just have say. to wait and see. We also got some questions, our first being from Jay Carbon. Just watched Anaconda with J-Lo and Ice Cube, and it weirdly holds up, in my opinion, after all this time. I also remember enjoying the sequels to this movie. It got me wondering, would you guys do a top 10 of creature features? Horror revolving around animals, creatures, and monsters? And if you've already done this, I'm a terrible fan and will go now flog myself. (laughs) Um, You know... I don't think that we have. We haven't. No need to flog. <laughs> you notice how I wasn't even sure. <laughs> we were. I. I should. I should be the film flamers historian. Yeah. So we were thinking about doing a top ten aliens and a top ten monsters, maybe a top ten like animal creatures, like you know Cujo and the lions from, you know, mm-hmm. the Ghost and the Darkness lions. You know, would have been you know good contenders for those those types of things. And there's plenty of top ten fodder for those that we might get to someday. I'm sure. Um, you know, right now we tend to lean into instead of individual like characters or creatures, we're leaning to top tens that feature actual movies, right? So like the top 10, you know, alien horror movies is what we just released last week, you know, and uh, rather than like top 10 aliens and film, right? So that's kind of what we are leaning towards, but I can definitely see us doing top 10 creatures. And I can see us doing a top 10 animals as sort of a separate top 10. Yeah. You know, I don't think that I would lump them in together. I'd keep animals very separate and then do creature features like just on its own. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We could do but, a, um, a top 10 like giant monster thing, you know, top 10 aliens easily, but they would, they would probably end up mirroring our top 10 mm-hmm. alien horror films. Right. And I mean, just to like whet your appetite, we did have on the docket at some point, a top 10 small creatures right Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean like these are things that we're already thinking of so definitely stay tuned because these these will happen yeah for sure so there was like the face hugger and then there's like god like the little creatures from that uh guillermo del toro film the tooth stealer things and gremlins and critters and like yeah we were gonna have this whole like small creature top 10 the ones that can actually hide under you your just bed. went through the top five <laughs> <laughs> like now we don't have to do it there done finished <laughs> look for that on letterboxd <laughs> so nikki again from patreon said i'm dying to know who your favorite muppets are the suspense is killing me and what episode were we talking about muppets oh you called someone muppety it was uh it was alien wasn't it <laughs> Probably like, aliens or yeah. Because you call Veronica Cartwright Muppet. No, I, I think it was the actual <laughs> alien that just bursted. It looks around and it looks really cool. And then it kind of Muppets itself off the table. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's lots of Muppety things going on. Oh, I think I might've called Bill Paxton. Like the, the, has the emotional capacity of a Muppet. Or something. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I know Muppets came up somewhere. Just so you know, Nikki, the emotional excitability of a Muppet rather. I have, a thing where when I meet people and especially on like first dates we before I was married, I would always ask people like, what's your favorite movie and who's your favorite Muppet? Cause I think you can learn a lot about a person just based on those two questions. It's like really easy, like answer these two things and then we'll get into something else just so I know like, you know who you are. That's right. It was so, a conversation um, because we were like, yeah, if it's like Miss Piggy and then your favorite alien movie is like alien resurrection, then run into the other, <laughs> the other way. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I always know what kind of, I mean, this sounds terrible. I always knew what, you know, who I was on a date with. If I asked a guy, who's your favorite Muppet? And he's like, Miss Biggie. And I'm like, mm, diva. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I'm too much of a diva for this relationship already. So the two of us together are not going to go well. <laughs> So, <laughs> all right. Well, next uh, next question. We didn't answer it. Who's your favorite that's, Muppet? That's right. Let's. It's a secret forever. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna. Why, Miss Piggy? Miss Piggy's your favorite Muppet? No, I think I'm basic. I think it's got to be Kermit, and I think I have a close favorite with uh, you know, like the old men in the balcony. Yeah, I like them a lot too. Those are good answers. I mean, Kermit's Kermit's a good answer. It's not basic, you know, like since you have a follow up to it, you're like also this one. Like sometimes I would ask that question and they would look at me in such a way and be like Kermit. And I'm like, oh, my God, you don't even know a second Muppet. (laughs) (laughs) And I also have love in my heart for the Swedish chef, but I think that's that's your spirit animal. So the Swedish chef and Beaker are my two favorite Muppets like of all time. I just love them so much. (laughs) And. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, me, me, me. Yeah, so I'm like the two fucking Muppets that you can't understand a word that's coming out of their mouth. I'm like, oh, I just love them. <laughs> so, but no, I'm fairly certain that I'm very similar to the Swedish chef when I'm in the kitchen cooking. Like, I'm just like talking to myself half the time and like making zero sense and then like throwing shit in my face and be like, 3D, you know? What I mean? <laughs> oh. I think it's safe to say that I appreciate the Muppets on a very deep level. (laughs) At the real GL, Hal Jordan uh, posted a series of tweets and he sort of posed a question at the end of it and tagged us in it to give a response. And I really liked what he had written and I liked that he was taking the time to ask this question. And I know that Chris had a very good answer to it. So here's some of the tweets that he wrote. Who remembers these two films from the late 90s, The Jackal, starring Bruce Willis and Richard Gere, and In and Out, starring Kevin Kline and Tom Selleck? Well, I have two sad anecdotes about homophobic audience reactions that still piss me off. Uh, so the Jackal has Willis playing an infamous assassin. He has to take on a different ID to blend in, move fast, quiet, etc. One such part is he has to pretend being gay, so he'll use a real gay character for his house that's located near his target. He meets a man at the bar, flirts with him, etc., and they plan on seeing each other again. Willis shows up at this man's home early and surprises him. The guy is like, it's nice to see you. Oh, you dyed your hair. Are we going out tonight? Willis, not needing to play the gay role anymore, as he has already has his temporary hideout, just pulls out a gun and murders the man, and the audience cheered. And so this is back in 1997. And then he goes on to talk about seeing in and out in the theater on a first date. And there's a scene where Kevin Klein and Tom Selleck share a kiss. And the audience was sort of like, you know, squirming in their chairs and booing and making all these noises. And so he asked, he said he was curious who amongst you have experienced similar things. What was the movie? What was the reaction? Where and when? And, um, you know, he put these on there so we could sort of like learn from the past mistakes of people and, you know, sort of just move forward. So I watched both of those films back in the 90s on direct TV. And uh, I have no other memory of of watching those in the theater, although I do have one experience in the theater watching um, Oliver Stone's Alexander. And, you know, every time there was any kind of even just like hinted at romance between Alexander and Hephaestion, people would be like audibly kind of grossed out or upset, you know, or something else. And then people would walk out. In each of those. And so by the time the movie was over, there was like 
maybe a third of the audience left. And it just, it really was disappointing because it wasn't overt at all, you know? And, uh, just in that, of course that was in like central Texas when I watched that in the theater. So not too surprising, probably in the mid to early two thousands. And, uh, I don't know. It was, it was really disappointing. And, and then the, the DVD release of that came out and a lot of that was cut. Right. And so and that didn't do very well. And then, cause those people aren't going to buy the film anyway. Right. And so then he comes out with like the ultimate Re- Alexander revisited version. And that has like <laughs> even more added because he felt guilty, you know? <laughs> and, um, either way, the film isn't, isn't that great. <laughs> but it, you know, it was finally interesting to see Alexander and Hephaestion kind of in a more realistic, more historical way. I have not seen this movie yet. I know you've talked about it to me several times, and it's probably something that I need to watch. But again, this is probably something that I'll only watch if I'm with you. Well, then you Troy know, so. kind of like learned something from it. I, th- I think Troy came out b- after, maybe before. I'm not sure. But they I think it was actually after. changed. Um, you know, like Achilles lover with a similar name, I believe, uh, into his, like his nephew or his cousin or something. And, you know, I didn't realize that at the time I wasn't as well versed and, you know, you know, history of the epics or anything, but of course that movie did very well, especially in its uh, director's cut, which is actually a phenomenal film. If you watch the director's cut version of it, but still I'm kind of angry about that change. I saw in and out in the theater, because I, I think that came out when I was like 16, 16 or 17 years old. And um, I mean, I went to go see it with friends. And I don't remember people around the theater, like, you know, audibly being disgusted or people walking out during that kiss scene. And I mean, and this is Texas. But also, I'm sure that at the time I was 16 or 17 years old making just as much noise. So I was probably covering up every single disgusted sound they made in the first place. So, I mean, did you watch Brokeback in the theater? I did. I don't remember any, you know, I don't I don't think I think that was so obvious from the marketing and everything that people that would be disgusted by it wouldn't go see the movie anyway. Right. So I don't think I caught any weird reactions to that. Well, I mean, I saw Brokeback at a matinee. And while I was living in New York and it was like, there was nobody in there really just a handful of people, a smattering of people anyway. And I mean, like obviously like seeing a movie in New York city and seeing a movie in Texas, yeah. you know, are two different oh, things. Yes. Oh, yes, they are. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I can't think of a time where I was in a movie where people, you know, made comments or acted in a certain way because of a gay subplot or moment or character right but i mean and i've seen things like i saw two wong fu in the theater when i was younger and but i don't know i oftentimes go to the movies during the day when it's not very crowded so i just i don't have to deal with a lot of other people and their bullshit anyway so but i really appreciated that question and thank you for tagging us in there and i hope that uh chris's answer was was good because like it's an actual moment that he could share yeah we got some new patrons yay we have new patrons plural yeah just like our reviews we got three new patrons this month which is just insane and uh we're very happy to have you for our community and our polling and everything else we do over there 
And uh, first up is Amber Couch, who joined us in the Film Flamer tier. And uh, Amber actually sent us a long message when she became a patron, mentioning that Interview the Vampire was one of her favorite movies. And she sent us actually an actual link to the musical, which I didn't think existed. It only ran for a little while, and then it was kind of shut down. Mm-hmm. And uh, the music was actually uh, like composed by Elton John, of all people. And uh, I had no idea there was like a record of it out there, but she sent me the YouTube link, and it's uh, I'll, I'll be sure to include it in the show notes. Yep, and it has like made it to like the top of my watch list. I cannot wait to sit down and like watch this, but I have to be in like the right frame of mind for that musical. Mm-hmm. So I'm super ready. We also have Kimberly joining our Patreon family at the Film Sparker level, and Nina Yanez at the Film Sparker level as well. Welcome to both of you. That's right. We really appreciate all the support over there on Patreon, guys. And I mean, like Chris said, like we've never had a month where we had three new patrons and all these reviews. Like I think that July was a pretty big month for us here at the film flamers and speaking of patrons we do need to shout out ben gonzalez as well as amber couch for being in the the film flamer tier or above and so thank you for continuing to support us at that level it's very very important to us and we're very appreciative that's right horror news so i read an article that made me very excited because a horror movie that i love from my youth that probably made me a little bit more gay (laughs) is going into a new format that's definitely going to make me a little bit more gay and that is the lost boys from 1987 is headed to broadway as a musical (laughs) and malcolm mcdowell is in talks to play max that's right. So, like, the head vampire guy. I mean, spoiler alert if you haven't seen The Lost Boys. But, yeah. So, I definitely will go and see this particular musical. I like horror musicals in general. <laughs> and so, like, I definitely want to see, like... Because you know damn well they're going to play up some of like the homoeroticism of The Lost Boys on a musical mm-hmm. stage. They have to. But... With all their dance However... <laughs> so, the music and lyrics are being written by the guy who wrote cry little sister from the lost boys oh, right wow. yeah so i don't know we'll <laughs> that's exactly what? right <laughs> what wasn't that on your top 10 like creepy songs or something i think it, yeah it was either on my top 10 creepy love songs or my top 10 pop songs from uh. horror movies or both <laughs> you know <laughs> so anyway ben stiller has been optioned has optioned stephen king's rat to direct and star yeah so i recently in a shooting the flames episode talked about reading if it bleeds it's like the new collection of stephen king short Mm -hmm. novels and rat is one of them and like his work is being picked up and optioned like left and right these days and this is just one of many so ben stiller has optioned this one about a writer going to a cabin to write a novel and he sort of rescues a talking rat who will grant him you know the wish to finish a book and ryan murphy has optioned a short novel from that same collection and i mean it's just a lot so i mean and it was a really good book so if you guys haven't read it yet go check it out and look forward to ben stiller talking to an evil rat pretty soon i'm thinking about the christopher pike stuff that mike flanagan's doing and i just want him to read uh a season of passage and make that into like a netflix like three-hour movie or miniseries that would be amazing this is what twitter is for Shall we start barraging him with tweets? Yes, please. Okay. I'm on it. You shall have that movie. If I have to find that talking rat and make some sort of deal. (laughs) (laughs) Do whatever you have to. Wolfman casts Ryan Gosling and Lee Wanell to direct. 
are they really still trying to do like the universal monster thing? Yeah. I mean, they are certainly now that Lee Wanell's Invisible Man did so well at the box office and critically. And he's already signed up to do an Invisible Man 2. Mm-hmm. Yet he's also doing Wolfman. Okay. And he's great. And I loved Invisible Man. I don't know that there needs to be a sequel. I also don't know that we need a Wolfman. And I also really want him to do an upgrade sequel instead. (laughs) Which is like, why don't you get to the heart of this conversation already? (laughs) I mean, because I would love to see a Wolfman with Ryan Gosling. I would just like to see Ryan Gosling. (laughs) I mean, either it's like Wolfman or porn or whatever. And Would it be his first horror movie? Uh... I mean, I guess he's done some horror-adjacent work. Would you consider Blade Runner to be horror-adjacent? Yes. Adjacent. Very adjacent. And let's not forget that we talked about the Dracula reboot in a news piece several episodes ago that's being directed by Karan Kusama. So, I mean, mean, like they they are still trying to do the universal thing. I think they learned a lesson from that terrible, terrible mummy movie with Tom Cruise, and they're really going in the right direction now by finding good directors and good actors to make good movies. So... So ending our news segment with some sad news, as we've been doing way too often lately, uh, we have to say rest in peace to John Saxon. And he is a familiar face from Black Christmas, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and so much more. Yeah, definitely a staple in like late 70s, early 80s horror, and um, just a well-respected actor. And I think that he will be you know, severely missed by the horror community. Yeah. He was in several Nightmare on Elm Street movies, including Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, one of your favorites, as well as New mm-hmm. Nightmare. And New yeah. Nightmare. And he was also in From Dusk Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. Which I don't remember, but... Me either. I haven't watched that movie in a long time, so maybe some refreshing is due. Coming soon. First on the docket is Possessor. And this one is uh, directed by Brandon Cronenberg and that's of course uh, the fame Cronenberg's son but this film looks more like Kubrick and it stars Jennifer Jason Lee and apparently Sean Bean I was looking at the the cast mm-hmm. list and the trailer is super creepy and weird so check it out it also stars Christopher Abbott who I think is super dreamy from the movie Piercing that I liked a lot like from a couple years ago so I'm always happy to see him pop up in horror yeah, movies yeah this is a kind of a sci-fi horror thing looks kind of like upgradey avatar-y kind of interesting weirdness going on yeah i mean i can see some of his father's work in here as well as some kubrick i mean i know it's like it's body horror obviously there's lots of sci-fi stuff which is what you know david cronenberg was sort of like known for like sci-fi body horror and i think this movie is supposed to be about um like a uh hitman or that's able to like go into someone else's body to commit these murders. This movie has already shown at at festivals. I think it showed at Sundance and it's supposed to be like ultra violent, lots of sex in it, you know, very bloody. And I'm like, those three things sound like a fucking masterpiece. So sign me up. (laughs) It's a masterpiece. (laughs) So next on the list is a Russian horror movie, sci-fi horror movie called Sputnik. And um, I think it was sort of fortuitous that this trailer was released the month that we did our Alien and Aliens deep dives, because this movie looks really reminiscent of that. This is a Russian language film about people who travel into space and they bring back something that they shouldn't bring back to Earth that is invading bodies and adapting to life as we know it here on our own planet. And it's really being talked about as kind of like Russia's answer to Alien, you know, 40 years later, but... 
you know. Yeah, the monster looks really cool. I mean, and I I don't think that I've seen a lot of really good like Russian horror, you know. So I mean, like if you guys have some recommendations for that, I'd like to know about it so I could watch them. But um, like this may be the first time I've looked forward to seeing a Russian horror movie ever. Next up, we've got The Silencing, starring Nikolaj Kosterwaldo from Game of Thrones and Annabelle Wallace, who was actually in Annabelle. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is more of a of a thriller, but it is I think this guy's got like a missing kid and like he has to go hunting for it or his wife or something. And it's like in the wilderness, this wilderness horror. And there's like some podunk people that are like maybe part of a weird cult or conspiracy and they're out in the woods and they're like hunting people and people are disappearing and he has to go find them. Yeah, I mean, I got that from it too. (laughs) (laughs) That looks good. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I mean, so obviously, like he he has a missing child, and a body washes up in a river, and it seems like there are people hunting people for sport, and he thinks that maybe his daughter was involved in this or was taken by them, and he wants to go hunt down the people who are doing the hunting, right? And there's some really good creepy visuals in this trailer they like fish a body out of the river so i'm getting a lot of silence of the lambs and it's called the silencing you know so i mean i don't know how original all of it is but um i like that actor i think he's really cute and i just like it when you say his name because i can't say that <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nicolas costerwaldo i don't even know if i'm saying it right nicolas costerwaldo yeah. well maybe i can't <laughs> okay. say it okay well then. <laughs> maybe it's nicolai <laughs> And the whole time watching this trailer, I was like, who's that woman? And then I was just like, oh, she's from Annabelle. And her name is Annabelle. It's all coming back to me now, like Celine style. (laughs) (laughs) It's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now. Just like that doll did to her in that movie. The times when the wind was so cold. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I can't wait till we do another musical movie. I mean, we had so much fun doing The Bodyguard. We have to do a musical soon. Oh, Lordy. So also up on our trailers list is a movie called Greenland starring Gerard Butler, our resident musical phantom turned action star. Which he arguably was before, but who knows? Yes. (laughs) I mean, I think he got his start in action movies. Yeah, and so, yeah. In fact, I think he was made famous by 300, possibly. So, uh uh-huh. That is true. Anyway, this is a thriller, disaster movie, horror-adjacent thing about comets and asteroids hitting the world. And he has to kind of survive society and comets and everything else in this film. And I think he's driving his family around trying to survive and everything. It looks incredibly thrillery horror adjacent compared to other disaster films I've seen. And um, this trailer does a really good job at, at at least kind of inviting you into that different kind of tone for a disaster film. I would say the closest thing to a disaster horror film would be like Godzilla or something, right? As far as like the tone, but this is, looks a lot darker, almost like the crazies in a way. Uh, Cloverfield is kind of like a, like a disaster yeah, horror yeah. movie. But this isn't this right? is not really yeah. a creature thing. This looks like it's all about the comets, but also like a society and being weird. So could be interesting, especially with our current pandemic worries and everything else. You know, maybe in the movie there's a bunch of people going like, there's no comet as the comets are like destroying their <laughs> <laughs> The liberal conspiracy. 
<laughs> I'm not going to wear my comet hard hat. That's against my civil liberties. <laughs> I love disaster movies. I am not ashamed to say it. Like Deep Impact affected me on a very deep level when I was younger, and I just like, oh my god, I felt like I was the only person in the world that liked Deep Impact more than Armageddon. Oh, I hate Armageddon. I think it's a terrible movie, but I think Deep Impact is so good. They came out around the same time, and I was like, Deep Impact is amazing. <laughs> and then everyone was like going crazy for Armageddon in the box office. And um, Armageddon, you know, there's something to say for parts of it, you know, but to me, Deep Impact is is the one that had a deep impact on my heart. I cried so much watching that movie when I saw it in the theater. I was in high school and like my friends were making fun of me, but like, I don't The score care, is so you know? goddamn good. Like it still makes me cry yes. listening to it today. <laughs> it's an amazing movie. And I, I just think disaster movies are fun. And it's been a long time since we've had a good one, right? Like I miss the, the really good disaster movies that came out, you know, when I was younger, even before I was even born. But now we get things like, I mean, it always has like the rock in mm-hmm. it or something. And I'm like, no, I mean, it doesn't seem very good, but this one looks good. It's got a nice like family unit. It's got a nice emotional core to it. I think he's trying to keep his family safe and get to kind these bunkers. Kind of reminds bunkers. me of like World War Z a little bit in the movie version, but which was really yeah. because, you know, everyone remembers the book and the book's so usually always so much better i mean i rewatched world war z over the last several months or several months ago and i have to change my opinion i think i I like it again i liked it when i saw it in the theater then i changed my mind and now i like it again so i'm like i I had the benefit of not having read it um and i thought it was a very really really tense movie and that it's uh undervalued but you know obviously it's not as good as the the book because the book can do so much more you know, and the way it was, the way it was done. But anyway, we're getting off track. I mean, I just before we move on, I have to say that it's an unfilmable book. Mm-hmm. You know, the only way you're going to make that book into anything would have to be a series. So I mean, exactly. But yeah, so Greenland, which is what we were talking about originally, I think it looks great. I mean, like go check out the trailer; it'll be in the show notes, like the rest of these. And um, I'm looking forward to watching this one. The final trailer we included here is for The Boys Season 2. If you have not started watching The Boys, I highly recommend it. There are moments and whole collections of scenes that are not even horror adjacent, but straight up horror. And this trailer is no exception. It gets very horror-y in the, in the trailer for this so uh and there's really not really spoils for se- uh, spoilers for season for season one so you're welcome to see season two's trailer if that helps you just want to watch the series overall uh to me it's extremely well done um the acting and the and the writing and and everything is um is really thought-provoking at times and interesting uh for social commentary and there's a lot of uh of uh, horror to mind there so I, I still highly recommend this show. I really enjoyed this trailer a lot when you first showed it to me. And it's like, it was very violent. I like anything that has some Rolling Stones in the background. And um, there's like a really hot shirtless guy in it. So like everything I would possibly want in a trailer, you know? And so now I'm like, my interest is like more peaked after seeing this than I did for like the first trailer of the first season, right? Like this just seems... Yeah good and they were keeping it really close to the chest for the first season trailer and the show is so much bigger than that trailer was and this one kind of shows a little bit but now they've released um which i might also include in the show notes they've released 
a like a full scene, I guess. And they're in the ocean and it's one of the the government, you know, backed superheroes and he's like the Aquaman dude. And so he's like having them <laughs> chased by like 16 great white sharks and they're in this tiny little speedboat. And then he's riding a whale <laughs> in front of them. And so he blocks their pass. <laughs> You know, and so any other action movie or whatever, this is dark. This is a dark show. And so what do they decide to do? They decide to go straight through the fucking whale with an explosion oh of blood and guts. <laughs> 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 and it's amazing. So you guys just need to get on. Plus Elizabeth Shue is in this, right? Yes, she's, she so, is in the boys. I mean, yeah, and some of I, her best work in decades. I absolutely loved her in this. Okay, yeah. We, Rob and I just started watching some, some series and we're almost done with it. So we're just going to queue up the boys next. I think it's finally time. So the time has come. Okay, guys. Well, that kind of wraps up our shooting the flames for August. So as you recall earlier in the episode, we read all the comments that people left from our new hot takes format, where we take our hot takes episode and sort of incorporate all the flamers favorites that you have grown to expect from our shooting the flames episode. And we're going to have another one of those coming for you real soon. So we like to sort of like build up the movies, TV shows, media in general that we've, you know, taken in and experienced. And we're going to talk about them all together. So look forward maybe in September sometime for that. And join us next next week for jaws and the following for jurassic park which we've been really chomping at the bit for yeah i'm super excited for both of these movies actually and we're going to have a very special top 10 at the end of the month as well clever girl <laughs> clever girl i've been saying that all day at work today because i was working on the fucking jurassic park notes i was like clever girl mm-hmm. <laughs> And over on Patreon, we're going to be doing a Flamers flashback on Dread in honor of our action horror movie month. I have not seen this, so it's going to be a first watch for me, obviously. I'm looking forward to it. If you would like to listen to our coverage of Dread, head on over to Patreon, become a Patreon, join our family over there, and join in all the revelry. <laughs> That's right. We like to shout out our patrons here on Shooting the Flames. So like Chris said, head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers check all that out we also like to read reviews on shooting the flames and we had a good handful of those this time we need some more guys it helps out the podcast a lot so if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts or itunes just head over give us a five-star review tell us why you like us we'll read it on shooting the flames or you can give us a review on our hotline and Chris, what's that number? 972-666-7733. That's right. Just call that number and say whatever you want. Talk about an episode. Give us a review. Just say hi. We haven't gotten a voicemail in quite some time. Like six months. Yeah, that's right. It's just sitting there. <laughs> silent. <laughs> Either that or it's broken and we have like 50 voicemails waiting for us. <laughs> Should probably look into that. I would like to get happy voicemails, not some like, you know, crazy director out for blood. Yeah. <laughs> so, <I> mean, <laughs> but if you would like to pretend to be one, there's okay. no way for us to check. So that's what shooting the flames is all about. If you're Steven Spielberg and have something to say about our coverage of Jaws and Jurassic Park, does not call that online. <laughs> oh my God, please, Steven. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I think I'm slowly slipping slipping into madness, so um, I think it's time for us to head out. So, until the next episodes, guys. Sweet dreams. 
You know, I don't really think of Ryan Gosling as being like especially hairy. Does he like strike you as a hairy man? No. Is that like the first choice he would pick for the Wolfman? No. He seems kind of twinkish. Yes. (laughs) 